The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. And we put a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I'm very excited to have as my guest, Mercedes Alonso. And I will say we were supposed to have Dr. Julie Roberts, but because of the ice storm and all the power outages, she wasn't able to get on the show today. But I'm delighted to have Mercedes, and we'll be discussing the art of group leadership. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Mercedes. She supports individuals in becoming more effective and compassionate leaders while helping organizations transform into vibrant communities of common purpose through strategic planning, leadership development, team building, and change management. In addition to a master's degree in education, Mercedes has a second master's degree in executive coaching and organizational consulting from the University of Pennsylvania. So, Mercedes, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you so much, Olivia. It's so nice to be here with all of you. Thanks. So, as you know, and a lot of my listeners know, I've worked as a data scientist since the early 90s. So, a lot of them wonder why I'm interested in this stuff. But one of the reasons I became interested in leadership is because I saw how the old style of command and control seemed to be failing. I started to look at how complex things were becoming. And if you look back at our economy when it was more based on manufacturing, the CEO could literally do the job of almost anyone in the company and people could be easily replaced without much training. So the old style, which could be very fear-based, certainly top-down, hierarchical, command and control style of leadership, it worked. And um, But as our world is becoming more complex, especially our economy, I just don't see it working anymore. And in my own career, I have never had a manager that could do what I did. So I see this as a real challenge to the old leadership style. Um, Do you see these changing and what's replacing command and control? That's a great question, Olivia. So so what I've come to see is that, you know, with the the economic collapse of 08, organizations have had to figure out how to do more with less, Mm. and so have their employees, right? So... As I go into these organizations, there's still an emphasis on the bottom line. There's still layoffs going on. People are fearful, Um, always operating from a sense of urgency, and there's usually a climate of reactivity. And um, so in many ways, um, that uh, climate of command and control management um, is still alive and well, and... um, and when you talk about words like engagement and collaboration and open communication with groups, um, they still kind of look at you funny, like, wait, that's not what we do here, right? And then at the same time, what's really interesting is that you have this group of leaders right now that are a whole generation that are looking to retire and a whole new generation of 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 employees coming in, and um, 
I've heard them called millennials before, but it's that younger generation, that younger workforce, which is mm-hmm. a whole other group uh, now entering uh, into, organiza- into organizations. And, and they like to work very differently. And it's not meeting that command and control style you were talking about. So what I've learned is they're looking to contribute uh, to their organizations and not conform. And um, they want more balance, uh, uh, balance in their living. You know, they're looking for mm. more work-life balance. And, um, and they're looking to set their own goals and goals around what's meaningful for them and ways of finding what's meaningful that, for them yeah, in ways that can still contribute uh, to the value of the organization. And um, they also, uh, they, they, they've grown up in a world of choice, right? So mm-hmm. they expect the ability to make things work for them. And if they can't uh, find it, um, they'll use their creativity and their resources to find better solutions. And so they leave, right? So... Um, how to understand uh, and engage and attract and retain these millennials um, is certainly going to um, push our organizations to consider whether they can continue this kind of command and control, which is clearly um, challenging uh, many organizations today. So let me just make sure I understand. It sounds like what you're saying is that these old guard style leaders are still in place in a lot of companies, but in order to keep the newer millennials that maybe have a different way of operating, like you said, with more balance, more passion, maybe more socially responsible, um, that they are, that they're being challenged to even stay in these companies because unless maybe the leaders do conform or start to change the way they they operate. Otherwise, they can't keep the young talent. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. Um, and and you know, it's about learning about who this new generation are and mm. what they value and how they connect with technology and how they like to work and what they believe and expect from themselves and their um, and the people and the organizations that they're a part of. So it, they're pushing. Um, they're in, you know they're they're a force um, that's kind of pushing at a new way of of looking at how business is done. Um, so well, that's it's so interesting too because I remember reading an article about a year and a half ago that said that this is in business week or something, you know, and they said that leaders, companies are bemoaning the fact that they can't find competitive younger people to come in that have that fire to Mm. just destroy the competition that they all want to collaborate. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I think this is a good thing. But what I see is that because of complexity, you know, even just if you look at it across companies, you can't do it all anymore. So it used to be that one company would just gobble up other companies. But now, yeah. because specialization is really, the, I think, the only way to excel, um, companies are having to learn to collaborate. So I would think they'd want these skills. Anyway. Yeah, and it's a, it's, a, it's a shift in perspective, right? It's, it's a shift from that kind of talking to command control, do as I say, to looking at leadership as um, as living in relationship and mm-hmm. depending on others, right? right. So organizations right. and leadership uh, doesn't lie in the individual. It lies in relationship. So, um, so you know, when you think about um, what it takes to be a leader nowadays, um, it's the what we used to call or still call the soft skills, the relationship skills, the, mm-hmm. the system of connections that needs the most work and that we're less developed in, uh, at least the, the old guard uh, is, and this new yeah. generation is asking for, for a new way of doing things. Oh, interesting. Because, and I, 
I know this is a business show, but I actually think it has such a complete uh, relationship to families, the same kind of thing as far as being a parent, is that the command and control, it doesn't teach children how to think for themselves and be resilient on their own. So that could be a whole other show. but And um, it could be because the implications, you know, for for these organizations is now the need is to know how to leverage um, people and influence people yes. and um, to understand other people's viewpoints and engage people and, um, and getting the skills and the tools and the strategies for knowing how to do that uh, is critical uh, nowadays. So, um, yeah. Well, that's... That's interesting. So it's really the topic of today, the art of of group leadership is where it's at. Then it's it sounds like people can't make it on their own force anymore. They really have to yeah. work together. So I'd love to start digging into some of the principles that underline group behavior and effectiveness. What are some of the underlying principles of, of group behavior that, that you teach and, and work with companies around these principles? Yeah, so I, I think that one of the ones that is most foundational is the uh, stages of group development. And, um, and uh, what, what we've done or what research has done really is identify five critical stages of development that mm. any um, productive, high-performing team must experience if they're going to be uh, high, highly productive and effective. And then um, as groups go through these stages, and it's not a linear process, uh, depending upon um, the situations, the experiences of the group, um, you can go in and out of certain stages. Um, but certainly these stages, as the group is undergoing them, uh, then begins to help you understand other basic principles that come into play for groups. Okay. So, um, as far as the stages, it's not like the group necessarily consciously goes through them. They, it's almost like an unconscious process. And then um, the key is to help groups understand uh, what those stages are so they can, so you can help them reach uh, um, the last stage of, of group development most effectively, which is um, the more visionary place of where we're going. The temptation often is, though, um, to skip these different group, uh, stages of group development and wanting to get to, okay, what's our task, um, without mm. remembering that there's other parts uh, that um, are more foundational, which is um, establishing, establishing a sense of safety in a group, uh, understanding who you are in the group, and um, and and what influence you'll have in this group, and will you have any influence in this group? And then establishing some trust uh, in the group, as well as um, somewhat of who we are as a group, and and knowing and being able to articulate that. So these um, these these stages are are basic principles of group behavior, and inside of them, uh, like I said before. Um, uh, you begin to understand other basic principles that come into play. Okay. So are those the stages that you were mentioning, the, the safety and understanding, or is that just one of the yeah. stages? Yeah. So, so the first stage, um, so to speak, and again, these aren't linear, but mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it's about people. If you think about when you enter into a group, you're asking yourself, who am I in this group? Uh, am I going to be safe in this group? What kind of influence am I going to have? How are people going to treat me? Mm-hmm. Then the next stage is establishing some trust in this group. So now um, that I feel safe, who are you? And how right. do you think? And what can you do in this group? And, and am I going to be utilized as a resource? And what issues do you have? Right. Right. Okay. And then it's establishing a group identity. Who do we want to be? Mm. And how are we going to measure ourselves against those, um, those uh, ways of doing business? Right. Right. And then it's about establishing goals. So once you have that kind of foundational piece, you can start talking about, okay, now what do we want to do? Mm. And then finally, where do we want to go? Okay. What happens is oftentimes we get right into task. 
and uh, into that fourth stage of, okay, what are we doing here? And we forget about the relationship piece that we were talking about earlier, um, mm-hmm. leveraging people, ha- helping people feel safe in the group, knowing who we are, who you are, how, how this group is going to utilize you. So undergoing those stages are really critical um, and understanding them uh, so that you can get to the final piece, which is where are we going? Well, that makes sense because I can remember being in groups where that trust was not established. We didn't yeah. know what we what was expected of us or others. We didn't really have the communication yeah. worked out. And so then we got busy with the task and then people started to still sabotage it or, you know, just not participate. So I think yeah. that makes so much sense that everybody has to be engaged, trust each other. But that takes yeah. time, I would think. Um, many companies don't want to spend the time. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Or? Yeah, I think it is, and I think that they um, look at time as money, and they mm. and they hope that um, you know the, the assumption is that the less um, the less time it takes us to get to the task um, and get the task done, the more value added to the organization, and it's just mm. not so. And trust isn't one of those things; it's not a product; it's an outcome of many many ingredients, so to speak. So um, uh, taking the time. Uh, at the beginning of of any of any processes, um, pays dividends at the end. Um, it's just not. It's just again. It requires that shift in perspective, that understanding about how leadership lies in relationship, and part of creating relationship is establishing a strong sense of trust in a team and in any organization. So, mm. yeah, yeah. I, can, I can see that. So, uh, I was going to ask about foundational characteristics of a healthy group, but it sounds like you've already covered them, perhaps trust, um, good communication. Are there any others that might come to mind? Yeah. So, so, um, believe it or not, I would say conflict. (laughs) Oh, Um, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I would say conflict is one of those that is is critical to any uh, or uh, any healthy, uh, productive, or effective team, and it's not oftentimes that um, that people think of conflict as um, uh, being part of 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 the health of a group. In fact, they say, "Oh, we don't have any conflict," um, uh, and they truly believe that and believe that that's part of what makes them a healthy and effective team. Um, so, so our assumption is a bit different that. If you can't conflict inside of a group, if this group doesn't have the skills um, uh, and the resources to deal with um, uh, each other, and when conflict arises, that people deal with it time in a timely way, and um, they feel that conflict can be dealt with constructively, if those things aren't in place, um, then that, that particular team uh, won't be as product- productive and effective because conflict is everywhere, right? And if we can't deal with it, um, there's a, a thousand ways that we'll go underground and, um, and, and sabotage, uh, in the end, what could be a healthier, more effective team if the group felt they had the skills to be able um, to deal with it. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's one of them, uh, for well, sure, so we're, Olivia. We're, we're just on a break, and, I, and so I found that really fascinating. I want to go through these and then dig into conflict a little bit more because I have some other questions about it. But we're sure. at the, a break, so uh, I'd mm-hmm. like to just remind everyone I'm talking to Mercedes Alonso about the art of group leadership and to learn more about Mercedes go to the Napier group group.com that's the Napier N-A-P-I-E-R group.com and we'll be right back When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here, and I'm back with Mercedes Alonzo, and we're talking about the art of group leadership. And before the break, we were talking about characteristics of a healthy group, and we mentioned trust and uh, the ability to collaborate. And then uh, those were the ones that I kind of picked up as in earlier conversations. So I asked Mercedes if there were more, and she mentioned conflict and how if you don't have the ability to bring conflict forward to the group, then you're going to have problems. And I just wanted to add that one of the things... I find interesting in my research around conflict because to me, I was very conflict averse and I think it was to my detriment. But what I've read, in, especially in terms of quantum physics, which is one of the themes I like and speaks to the name of my show, is that conflict can bring in a new energy that might actually take you in a direction that's very positive, that if people aren't responding to things that are kind of annoying them, those could be what they call in quantum physics strange attractors and could actually mm. lead you to some great ideas. So I just wondered if that made sense to you and if you've seen that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think conflict is definitely something that most would rather avoid. <laughs> yes. and, and we tend to avoid it, right, because it's difficult, um, because we're poorly trained to deal with it. Um, we didn't really have strong role models and we're not skilled. And then we have the media, right, that portrays conflict um, as aggressive and violent and um, win-lose. And so who would want to do that, right? Yeah. So um, really it's um, conflict when, when we're, you know, when we're, teaching about conflict, it's really important, um, and it's really about transforming people's experiences of conflict, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of it comes from our, our family of origins, what we grew up with uh, knowing conflict to be, and then we develop certain things that, um, uh, behaviors and attitudes around it, uh, and strategies uh, to keep us safe, and then um, they're no longer useful uh, to us, and yet that's all we know, right? So how right. do you help uh, people uh, get to uh, a point where they can understand how conflict can be uh, an opportunity uh, really for choice and change, and without it, uh, all we have is same old, same old, which will give oh. us same old, same old. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> that makes that, total uh, sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's really about providing people, um, you know, it's like a shift in perspective and then mm-hmm. being able to provide some real tools and strategies for dealing with it effectively. Right. And perhaps just being able to let go of our own idea for the greater good, perhaps. Yeah. And, and part of that is shining the light on it, right? So for us to understand what our messages of conflict were, 
um, uh, because most of us don't even know we're being run by them. We just know that this is what we do when we're in a moment of conflict, and it's so habituated um, that we have no awareness. And without that awareness, like I said, there's no choice, right? We just, we're, we're, we're destined to do the same thing we've always done. Oh, right. Um, well, I want to dig you know. into self-awareness in a couple minutes, but I just, are there any other characteristics of a healthy group that you can name? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a few. Um, uh, I think that one of the key, um, key aspects of a healthy group is feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's individuals um, feeling uh, the uh, freedom or the uh, opportunity to express what um, they think and they feel within a group, um, to be able to share with another person um, the impact they may be having on them, um, that people feel heard by one another in a group. Um, certainly fun and play is important in a group, right? Yeah, um, right. And having that and being able to laugh at ourselves every once in a while, right, is really yeah. important. Um and, uh, yeah, and I, the other one that I would say that would be um, uh, important to mention is um, uh, communication um, and having information, you know, always openly shared, accessible, um, and that means part of that is how are we feeling, what are we thinking, um, and, and being able to express that in a group as well. So all yeah. of that is part, so, so being able to tell people not what they want to hear necessarily, but what they need to hear um, so, that, so that the group can be uh, the best it can be. Oh, that's great. And I think, too, people think of feedback as always negative, but it could be positive, mm-hmm. right? I think if we could practice it, and if yeah. we do give positive feedback, then it's easier to, to give negative or you know, receive on the other side. If it's yeah, and I, I tend to look at feedback, Olivia, as like not even positive or negative. It's just information, mm, um, okay. and it's really data that gives us again choices, right? Right. So it kind of it kind of puts the position it puts the person in a in a position to say, okay, well, this is um, this is the reality, and this is someone else's reality, their perception, and is this who I want to be? So it kind of creates a, a tension between a person's perception, who they see them as right now, and then it makes you consider, well, is that really who I want to be? And if not, then then you have some choices around, okay, so what can I do to close that gap a little bit? Oh, that's so great, because I said I wanted to no dig self- Yeah, I want to talk about self-awareness, and it sounds like feedback is a way for us to become aware of things where we may not be able to do it ourselves. So how important is self-awareness to be um, in a healthy, to keep a group healthy? And maybe what are some questions I could ask myself to improve my self-awareness? You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of conversation uh, around self-awareness and presence being a leadership competency. Mm. Um, And... um, and, you know, for me, um, I think that uh, the benefit of self-awareness and leadership is, um, is only if you are self-aware can you really um, take responsibility and be conscious uh, 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 and an intentional leader. Um, without self-awareness, without uh, not knowing what you don't know, and what you do know, um, there's always that door open of saying, well, it's about them and fix mm. them. Right. Um, and I've heard that many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a common theme amongst us uh, often, right? So, um, so I think that, uh, you know, being self-aware is, is important on many levels, um, mm-hmm. but I think that if I were going to pick out the two most important is, number one, um, it allows us to take responsibility mm-hmm. and, and nurtures that idea of being intentional in our leadership 
Um, and then the second one is it provides great modeling for those people that we lead. Um, because if I'm self-aware and I understand what's mine, then it kind of invites others to consider that the same for themselves. Um, so on those two levels, and as far as questions, um, I think that when you, we talked a little bit earlier about leadership lying in relationship. When you think about relationship um, and self-awareness, um, there's always kind of three things going on, right? There's mm-hmm. what's going on between you and the other person, and there's mm-hmm. what's going on inside of you, and then what's going on for the other person. Right. So oh. even those three questions are, are really um, fundamental um, to being able to raise the level of self-awareness. Um, and it's, it's kind of an integrative approach um, to presence as a leadership competency. It's, it's about being aware of, of those of those three things almost happening simultaneously and then asking yourself, okay, who do I need to be right now? What do I need to do? Whose need is it? And then creating intentionality around how you show up. Oh, that's fascinating because I can't help but think about how many times we're out in public and people say, how are you? Or you say, how are you? Mm. And everybody goes, fine, right? And really what you're saying here is we need to know, and maybe not in the grocery store or passing someone, but in groups, when we say, how are you? We probably would want to say it differently. And a friend of mine always says, you know, what's, what are you present to right now? Because if we can't tap into something that's annoying us, perhaps that we're not even conscious of, it's going to make a, a difficult, you know, time with whatever we're doing, I think. So, so are there yeah. um, techniques, um, I guess maybe just, you know, taking time to be quiet or, um, yeah, I mean, there's just all kinds of interesting ways to think about how we, how, almost like the three things you say, there's three different relationships going on all the time and we have to be aware of all of them. Yeah, it's really, when you think about it, um, it's, almost like, um, it's almost like developing a new muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because what we're talking about is, a, is, a, is like I said, a, brand, a leadership competency that's really almost never been, been spoken of in terms of leaders um, and, and the need for leaders to do this. Um, uh, if they're going to be effective and intentional leaders. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's creating um, that level of awareness that then gives us a choice point as leaders because without understanding what's going on between um, me and this other person or me and this team and what's going on inside of me and being able to distinguish my need from their need and, and whose need is it and who do I need to be right now, they're all questions that are happening simultaneously, um, and, and it requires a, a new level of competency, right? It's a new skill because we, we were never trained or skilled at doing this. And suddenly, yeah. uh, we're finding ourselves in a, in a, in a time where uh, without those questions, uh, it leads to a level of ineffectiveness that isn't helpful for ourselves as leaders or for those that we have the audacity to lead. So. Mm. Wow. Well, so yeah. it's interesting because the the roles we were just talking about sort of feed into this next question I have, which is that when I've been in groups, it seems like, especially if it's a group that continues to meet over time, people fall into a role of mm-hmm. either yeah be, being the natural leader, maybe doing mm-hmm. the most talking or or trying to make other people wrong or, you know, hopefully that doesn't exist, but it often there'll be just people that'll show up with a personality. So, um, is, why is this? And, and is it a good thing? Or is there something that you can do to, to mitigate that? Like, what do you do in a group when that happens? Yeah, so roles. Roles help us, like, feel a sense of safety, don't they? Like, mm-hmm. uh, as long as I know my role, I know what I need to say, what I need to do. Uh, how I need to hear people, 
mm-hmm. um, how I need to interpret uh, things, um, because inside of that particular uh, structure of interpretation, um, I'll know exactly what to do. Right. And right. it speaks to that question of self-awareness. Uh, so it allows us to go, our roles allow us to go somewhat asleep and unconscious and um, act in very habituated, unhelpful ways, right? Mm, yeah. So, um, and takes away from that aspect of intentional leadership um, and, and always asking, um, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Uh, who am I? What does this group need now? Uh, and moving forward with that level of intentionality. So why we do it, I think in a lot of ways, is because it's the way we've done it always, no matter what group we walk into, um, mm-hmm. and we'll tend to go toward groups uh, that allow us to stay in our roles. Got it. So it's as a kid, perhaps, if, if you played a role in the family, then you might yeah. carry that on in a group without realizing it. That's right. A lot of group theory came from a family systems theory and thinking. So that's exactly right. Um, and, and we can't help but show up. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then the irony is is that we often think as leaders that if we can pull um, that difficult person, the one that takes on the difficult role, right, that's usually carrying uh, the upset for for the for the group, right. Yeah, I think right. if we pluck that person out, that somehow the team will become highly effective and productive. Well, um, that's really not it's not quite that simple. What ends up show, happening is that somebody else goes into that role. Um, and there's always that role to fill uh, unless you begin to work uh, with the group uh, in new ways um, and make it a more open uh, system where, um, where people are intentionally um, uh, finding out who are you, who am I, uh, what's allowed in this group, what's not allowed in this group, um, and, and, and kind of shake up uh, our, our, our habituated ways of showing up. Um, so well, that's interesting because I think yeah, it's it's a lot of its style too. And I remember working with yeah. the Bonos six hat thinking where people uh, were yeah. were sort of forced to play another role and feel how com- uncomfortable it can be. <laughs> but it, in a way, it, it lo- allows us to stretch and say, like you said, right. um, who who do I need to be right now to make the group right. more productive or move forward. Um, that's, right. that's fascinating. That's right. Wow. Takes our personal agenda off the table and has yeah. to really um, be present uh, and, and, and self-aware, um, which is what we've been talking about. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And you mentioned family systems as being the kind of impetus for a lot of this understanding. And I, I think there's a statistic that says a lot of CEOs are firstborn. I could be wrong about that, but I remember hearing... Firstborns have certain characteristics, so in a way that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that totally makes sense. That puts a lot into perspective. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm I'm used to being in charge, and I'll just keep going. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, so I know that you and Julie offer a group leadership intensive for people to actually explore a lot of these things we've been talking about. A lot of the concepts of building a safe group and playing different roles and so we're we're at a break but when we come back I really would love to learn more about that I I will confess to my listeners that I've done the workshop but I also Mm -hmm. think I can learn by listening to the to you talk about how it's designed because I think that's a different perspective that I don't have so uh, my guest today is Mercedes Alonso with the Napier Group And uh, we'll be right back after this break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Welcome back. This is Olivia, and I'm here with Mercedes Alonso, and we're talking about the art of group leadership. So in the first two segments, we talked about a lot of the characteristics of a healthy group and what are some of the things we need to do to participate in groups, why things are changing, lots of good information about characteristics and challenges of healthy groups. So in your literature, you say that the members of the group learn to ask the right questions at the right time and they learn to know when to take charge and when to get out of the way, which I think is so brilliant because that's one of the hardest things. And they learn how to tap into the inherent potential of individuals in the group and then design specific activities, interventions, but it sounds like those are those designs you were talking about, to help the group make practical, concrete progress towards group goals. So... Give me an example within GLI, like what, what would be the process if you were going to say, this morning we're going to create a design, how does that happen? So just maybe just give me a little scenario of an example of one of those days. So in those 40 hours, uh, they will decide what it is that um, the group needs um, and where uh, it wants to go and what do we have to do to get there. And um, so in pairs, uh, they'll take about 20 minutes to think of a series of activities for the next hour and a half that's going to take the group closer to being higher, uh, higher, um, more effective and, and more highly productive. Um, and so in that um, marathon, um, it may require um, getting people to... Uh, self-disclose a little bit. So we talked about the stages of group development. So how do I get this group to be more open? How do we begin to learn about each other? How do we begin to uh, create trust and safety inside of these groups? So the designs begin to lay the foundational work for this group at the end of the 40 hours to be more effective, uh, more productive. Um, so, it's, 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 yeah. I, I was just I'm thinking, I'd love to have an example. And I, I remember when I did it, there was a, the design that my partner and I created was around people sharing childhood experiences. And mm-hmm. one fella who had been sent there by his company because he was so tough on his exterior had a meltdown and grieved the loss of his mother when he was nine and mm-hmm. it just opened him up completely and it he went on to be not just more successful in business but it saved his marriage <laughs> so yeah. are there can you give me an example of maybe another design that that people have done that um, might also illustrate the process sure so I think one of the um one of the GLIs that comes to mind is um, a GLI where um, uh, uh, we had, uh, Julie and I, had designed for the group an activity that they did. And coming out of that activity, um, the two uh, people that were selected to go first to design the group for the group um, decided, you know what, 
the way we did that last design um, didn't work so well. And part of it is because we didn't know who we wanted to be. Mm. We didn't know what behaviors were going to be acceptable and what behaviors weren't going to be acceptable. And then everybody kind of spoke over each other and, 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 um, and uh, some people um, didn't speak at all and some people took over. And so why don't we in this next hour and a half Talk about who we want to be as a group. What are the behaviors that we're going to um, say are acceptable and not acceptable in this group as we move into the next 40 hours of the marathon? So basically developing group norms. (laughs) Yes, and that design alone, what it did was created a foundation for the group to move through the next 40 hours with some level of safety as to, okay, what's going to be acceptable in this group? Can I show up because there are basic rules of, of behavior in this group and, and that's going to keep me safe and it's going to allow me to risk and be creative and, and, and. So this is a perfect example of a design. It just works so beautifully and set up the next 40 hours of this time together. Um, it was kind of, it was like one design after the other was just, perfect because everybody knew exactly what was expected of the group. Wow. So I hope that was helpful. That's amazing. Yeah. So this, it sounds like they really wanted to sort of establish norms and, um, and the way of being together. Yeah. Yeah. Rules of engagement. We often don't think that that kind of structure gives us safety, but the more structure a group has, the greater freedom they have because they know what are the parameters where are the boundaries? How far can I go? How far can somebody else go with me? And mm. if I know the parameters, then I can risk a little more. And without that risk factor, a group can't be as productive or effective as it possibly can be. So that, that design was just, just one of the things that is always a standout for me. Oh, that's a great example. And I think it must have just had a magical effect on, on the rest of the process, the rest of the the whole workshop. It really, it, yeah, it really did. Uh, Julie and I, in our in the group leadership intensive, we call we call it like when it feels like rolling off a log. It just was. It just every design was just was, was just like that. It was just. Um, it just. It was one right after the other that that just. It was like a, a set of building blocks. Uh, mm. it, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So, um, I'm just trying to think. It's uh, some of the other stuff about GLI that it, I've read about is it, you say, if I pay attention to issues of concern regarding my leadership, they become the focus for deep-rooted learning about myself and a new understanding of how my leadership style impacts others. And then I have an insight, insight to be an intentional leader. So it sounds like a lot of the processes, a lot of the Concepts we talked about in the first two-thirds of the interview really feed into GLI as places to practice them and perhaps even experience being a leader in a safe environment. Is that, you know, practice being an intentional leader? Is that kind of the idea for the design? Yeah, I, I think that um, you're bringing up such an important point um, and one that I'd like to expand on a little bit because part of the design of the um, group leadership intensive is that um, you actually come in with an anonymous name. Uh, so you don't come oh. in as Olivia. You would come in as um, some pseudonym of something you want to practice or live into. Or so might some people who might not feel too courageous might, might come in instead of as Olivia as courage. Um, mm. And so the anonymity allows people to show up in a way outside of a role, which is part of what we talked about. Mm. And um, and in doing so, it gives them. Um, some some freedom around being able to practice uh, new behaviors uh, in ways that um, feel safe because um, people don't know what they do, who they are, what kind of influence they have. It's just, who are you right now? That's all people have to go by. And oh. because it gives some psychological freedom to just mm-hmm. kind of try something new because nobody knows 
who you are or what you do or what you normally do or don't do. So you're just whoever you show up in that moment. So, so you get to create thing. yourself. <laughs> exactly. And and it's out of and it's a very intentional part of the of the design to give um people that sense of freedom that we don't have otherwise because right away what happens when you say, Oh hi, how are you? What do you do? Right. And the moment somebody speaks, what do they do? We yeah. treat them differently. And they begin to right. treat us differently. And being able to gain some freedom around that allows us to do ourselves in a different way. Oh, that's beautiful. Be more well, creative, uh, risk a little more. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's a really well, important part of the GLI. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Olivia. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I'm so sad because we're out of time. This has been such a joy. And I wanted to just let our listeners know they can find out more about GLI at thenapiergroup.com. There's one coming up in April 7th to 12th. I think it's full, but there's perhaps a waiting list. Uh, and then there's another GLI in October. Is the one in April? Is there still room in that? Or do yeah, you know? Yeah, there's um, there's a there's um, it's almost closed. I think we okay. have maybe one or two spots left. So if you okay. are interested in the um, in the April uh, GLI, um, please uh, you know uh, just get in touch with us sooner than later. And if not, we have the fall GLI, which is on uh, which is in April, April twentieth to the twenty fifth. October 20th to the 25th. October, sorry. October 20th to the 25th. Thank you, That's great. So, Mercedes, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you, Olivia, so much for giving me the opportunity to to speak about about this work and about this uh, experience. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So next week, my guest will be Andrea Sullivan, and we'll be diving into the workings of the brain and how our understanding of the brain can help us be better at communicating and collaborating. So you won't want to miss this. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 